Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. This episode you're about to listen to has a few choice words. So if you're listening with your children in the car, earmuffs. Thank you. All right, welcome to Mom Jeans. This week we are going to talk about recovery and the privileges that some people have unearned and the others don't and how that can really impact the recovery process and access to resources. As eating disorder professionals, we see firsthand the struggles that many of our clients go through, the many hours that go into making appointments, white knuckling their urges, fighting off diet culture, and overcoming stigmas. We also see the many years that it can take to fully enter into being a recovered human. We see you and how hard you're working. Thank you for all that you do for yourselves, and it is definitely a privilege to be able to work with such great humans. So in today's episode, we're going to chat about how to recover from your eating disorder in this current culture. However, we will be focusing on the group that does not have privilege. We believe that it is extremely important to touch on this topic because it is real and not talked about enough. We want to provide a little education on eating disorders before we dive into the interview so that some of you listening can be more informed. We want you to know that this process is challenging, but 100% worth it and possible. We also have dedicated the part two episodes so that you can see three amazing mama stories. So stay tuned next week. So first we want to lay out there that we both believe that full recovery is possible. We understand that there are different philosophies out there, but we have seen firsthand individuals struggle in the depths of their eating disorder and during their hard work and their processing and their support, they are on the other side and are living their life without those behaviors or thoughts. Second, We want to bring focus to the fact that eating disorder recovery is hard, especially living in this diet culture and the ignorance that we have today. Our society is glorifying thin bodies, stigmatizing larger bodies, not providing access and privilege to all, and people are suffering without support. This culture is not designed to help everyone, and that is just flat out wrong. Hopefully we can all continue to speak up and get our voices heard so that our future is one that includes access to all and more available support. That being said, the long journey those have in front of them means being able to have some sort of privilege. Because let me tell you, this shit is expensive. I just want to give you an idea. The going rate session for an eating disorder dietitian in Texas is anywhere from $100 to $135 an hour. For a therapist, it's anywhere from $100 to $150 an hour. And Rachel can attest that California is even more expensive. (laughs) And don't get us started on inpatient treatment. You are looking at thousands of dollars per day depending on the level of care. Yes, if you have insurance, then there are a lot of providers that take insurance. However, many people do not have access to insurance And due to insurance's reluctance to cover mental health treatment, many do not have enough coverage by their insurance and many providers are unable to contract with insurance companies due to their stringent guidelines and reimbursement rates. And then begs the question, 
What if you don't have access to insurance? Insurance is expensive. So what happens to the humans that don't have financial or insurance privilege? Do they just suffer from their eating disorder? Yeah, and that flows us into our third point, which is that anyone can have an eating disorder. This is not just your white girl with privilege stereotype here. You do not need to look a certain way, act a certain way, weigh a certain way. It can be anyone. The person sitting next to you, your best friend, your partner, your child. And the reason we say this is so that you can open your eyes and learn how to be sensitive with your words. Our words have power, and you never know if what you are saying can hold more power than you are meaning. So if you are about to shame someone for what they ate or comment on someone's body, let's check yourself. Check your privilege. Check how this power of words is going to affect the person you are with. You would be amazed how long a statement can stay with someone. So today we would like to discuss a sensitive topic, but one that we feel is essential with both of us being health at every size practitioners and believe and practice the principles behind it. We also want to point out before we dive into this topic of recovery with lack of privilege, that we are both thin white women that have unearned privileges. Neither of us ask for these privileges, but we have them. We also both have had unearned financial privilege both growing up in homes that provided us both financially, nutritionally, and created opportunity for us growing up. I will not give full credit on my upbringing to mean that I am where I am today because of that, but I know for sure that if I didn't have the privilege I did growing up, I wouldn't be where I am today, or it would have been extremely difficult. We are bringing on an individual that has done a lot of work in bringing focus to privilege and is trying to provide opportunity and education and resources to women of color and from indigenous cultures. Her website is filled with helpful information from her blog, her classes, her resources tab, etc. I need to recognize that I am constantly learning and cannot say that I am fully aware and conscious of everything I should know related to this topic. So we are here to learn and keep an open ear as we are humans ourselves and are trying to make this world a better place. Without taking up more time, it is time to transition to this fabulous human. Off to Gloria. Today we are welcoming Gloria Lucas. She is a body positive activist, entrepreneur, and a public speaker. In 2014, she founded Nalgona Positivity Pride from years of dealing with the lack of women of color representation in the eating disorder awareness community. Like the women of color that came before, she creates spaces for marginalized folks to support each other and heal from the trauma of colonialism, Eurocentric beauty ideals, and disordered eating in communities of color. Gloria's work has been featured in the Huffington Post, NPR, Bitch Magazine, and The Body is Not an Apology. She lives in Santa Ana and enjoys watching videos of fat cats. Welcome, Gloria. Well, hey, Gloria. Welcome to our podcast. We're very excited to have you on today. Um, we want to jump right in and and want to see if you can share with us the inspiration and voice behind Nalgona Positivity Pride. Hi, yeah. Uh, so... I began struggling with an eating disorder at 10 years old and not seeing anyone else reflected my background, um, address eating disorders, um, only allowed my eating disorder to persist. And so having a background in feminist community organizing gave me the inspiration to start 
a multifaceted organization like Algona Positivity Pride. And it all started with me giving talks and with time it evolved. So I've been doing, um, I've been doing this work for six years now. I love it. Yeah, we're hoping this episode can provide more insight to our listeners that have unearned privilege and give voices to those that are struggling with marginalization and lack of privilege. So we wanted to see if you can provide our listeners with a little bit of education around unearned privilege and what that means. Yeah, so a lot of us are born with unearned privilege, meaning we really didn't have to do much, right? Or didn't have anything for the matter. For instance, my unearned privilege is the fact that I have legal status, right? I I was just happened to be born under those circumstances. Um, I am cisgendered, right? I agree with the gender assigned to me at birth. Had I been transgender or had I been gender nonconforming, this would have drastically changed my life simply because of of the culture that we live in right and and just the bias and discrimination against people who don't fit outside the gender binary right who are outside the gender binary and so i'm heterosexual right so that grants me to take up a lot of space to to have a partner not not you know be more accepted um, I also live in the smaller fat body, ha- and had I had a larger body, I more than likely would have more of a hard time getting, um, having the platform that I have in general, right? Because, and we, it's so evident even within the body positive community how I don't face the same amount of death threats as my fat friends do simply because I live in a smaller body. So, um, and the fact that, for instance, that I'm light-skinned as well, that's another, I mean, obviously I'm not white-passing, but nonetheless, I, I'm on a light, lighter lighter shade for a brown woman. And so all of this, right, Not I, I didn't have to do much for it, but I was just given that in this life. And because of that, I have access things and so and all of this again impacts my livelihood impacts my mental health impacts my access to my survival needs everything everything so that is unearned privilege in hearing you say that I'm like death threats like it 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 like rang internally that like those that are trying to spread a positive message are even receiving death threats. It just like shook my core to be like, it's just upsetting that that is even existing. Um, I just want to throw that out there. I had like, I literally had a reaction to be like, I never even like that's that kind of information is not crossing my mind. And I think in what, you know, a lot of the podcasts that Rachel and I are doing, we are speaking to the privileges that we have and the unearned privileges and how really we're just trying to continue to educate ourselves and our listeners. And so if we can just even provide that and the awareness around like individuals are receiving death threats just from spreading a message because 
of the way that they look that it's ridiculous, you know, and sad. Right, right. And I didn't have to do much, you know, but I have this access and we all have access one way or the other or advantages that just make our lives that much easier. I love that full list you went through because it helps people, I think, look at all the different areas that privilege exists. So I'm curious how people can educate themselves more or even just be more mindful and sensitive to how others don't have some of these unearned privileges and maybe struggle as a result. Right. I think this is where we all have to surround ourselves by podcasts, books, social media new friends of others that don't have our same experience it's an investment to go out of our way get outside our bubble and learn about other people's experiences and you know and and, then being uncomfortable throughout this whole process right being uncomfortable is how we do a lot of learning and you know part of my line of work is we see how the body positive movement has been dominated by people in smaller bodies or conventionally beautiful people being beautiful people right and so what fat folks are in your bookshelf how many fat friends do you have do you date fat people right so all of these questions can help us understand our own biases and our own prejudices and also um, do better. Yeah. So today we're talking about, this is technically a two-part episode. So we are hearing those in their recovery story and then also chatting with you to, you know, I know your website really provides resources and access to those struggling in an eating disorder and trying to find recovery. So what are some areas of marginalization that someone faces in their eating disorders that those with privilege may not face? So, you know, many times, depending on the community, having an unhealthy relationship with food is not considered an immediate problem because they're lacking in and struggling with substance use, housing, food, medication, etc. Right? Um, for instance, the transgender community has high alarming rates of eating disorders, but yet there's no advocacy efforts to create that awareness and that it is an issue. Um, and it's not considered an issue inside or outside the community because sometimes basic needs are not even being met. So those basic needs can become the priority instead of like the mental health issues. In many immigrant communities, there's not even language to talk about eating disorders. There's not language uh, to address it in a non-stigmatizing way. Um, access to proper treatment is a problem for all, for everybody. It's just extremely expensive. It is very expensive. And, 
if you come with from a low income background, more than likely there's a chance that you might not even step foot in a, in an eating disorder treatment center, right? Like I think about myself, even though I've dedicated six years of my life providing education and training for a lot of providers and doctors, I access to professional treatment is still a luxury for me. And so that, that informs people how there's so many gaps in, for, there's many gaps in general, but if you are living within the margins, those gaps become a lot bigger. It's really hard. I mean, even as a dietitian, um, right now, I don't take insurance, though it has been something that in my practice I've really processed through, and my practice is in the process of getting on insurance panels so that we can provide access to more individuals because it's expensive. I mean, it's like for for people to get the treatment and the duration that they need it's not realistic unless they have financial privilege. But the process to get on it is ridiculous. I mean, it they really make it so that you have to jump over these crazy hurdles. And that I feel like is a really broken part of our system to where I feel like if it was maybe more accessible for people to get on it or a friendlier process, that then the access would be provided to more individuals. Right. So how do you see those struggling, maybe in more of a low-income family, not getting the resources they are needing? Well, for one, there's many cases like myself where it took years to for circumstances to change, so to get treatment. And again, that doesn't happen for everybody. And so research on eating disorder treatments indicates that early intervention in eating disorder behaviors improves the speed of recovery, reduces symptoms to a greater extent, and improves the likelihood of long-term recovery. So unfortunately, folks with marginalized backgrounds aren't getting the help soon enough to bring the impact that it deserves, right? So um, that's just one aspect of it. And that's if you get to go to treatment and the treatment is effective, right? And getting into treatment is a whole nother issue because many times there isn't, there is an understanding of that person's culture, a connection to food. Um, there aren't other people like them in the, in the treatment center. And so that's a whole nother thing that, that it's, 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 um, that's, that we address within the professional, um, providers. Yeah. And even while they're in treatment, it's like, there's, you know, shame there being dictated by the insurance company of if they're not following along certain goals or quote unquote weight goals, then they're going to get discharged or their weight is at a certain place. So therefore, either they're being compliant or they're not sick enough or they um, 
should have to change their body and so as a result I feel like it is kind of a it, it seems like it's a failing system you know it's not really set up for people to succeed which is upsetting I know that on your website it talks about how you felt isolation in your recovery as a woman of color and so can you speak to more about what that isolation is that you're talking about I think there's so many levels of isolation throughout my journey. One being nobody's talking about it. So you feel like you're the only one, your family and your circles don't understand eating disorders and don't know how to help you, even if they have the best of intentions. And then even in doing this line of work, Many times I feel like that unicorn because they're, it's getting better. But when I first started, like I felt so out of place because there was nobody else that really looked like me um, that was doing this line of work. So, you know, there, there was many levels of it. And I think as, you know, another thing that I, I've, I've been experiencing is I feel that, that traditional sense of recovery, which is long-term long-term abstinence from eating disorder behaviors has really put a lot of pressure on people with platforms anybody right not just people with platforms but i feel like for myself as a person that still struggles with an eating disorder that because there's a lot of people have this very rigid binary view of you're either recovered or you're not that it also isolates you because this is the way recovery is talked about. And so all throughout, it's it's a very isolating and lonely experience. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think what a lot of people don't realize about eating disorders is they come in all different ages, shapes, sizes, body types. And so you're right, until more voices are out there and there's more awareness of just the spectrum of eating disorder behaviors, recovery and types, It it's going to be very isolating and still remains isolating to feel like you're not understood or you don't really have a, a space to, to express yourself. So I appreciate the fact that you're offering this space that you have created for so many people. And I'm curious what some of your other favorite resources are for support if people are looking to just get that support. I feel that building an online community was very, it's very helpful for me. And um, I know for some folks, they might not be in areas where that's easy, but social media is a great opportunity to join these groups or or face, um, Facebook groups or Instagram accounts that are filled with people fighting against fat phobia and diet culture. Um, so building this community where you could speak the same language is so crucial for, for healing. Um, podcasts. Podcasts are free. And there's great podcasts out there that provide a lot of insight and a lot and give you the opportunity to reflect and unpack. So um, following these dietitian podcasts, these health at every size, body liberation podcasts, um, 
I recommend that books as well. More and more anti-diet books are being published. This was not so available 10 years ago. And so um, that's, that, that's another opportunity um, for, for healing. And we also run an online peer support group for Black Indigenous people of color that is free and it's health, held monthly. So if you go to our website at Nalgona Positivity Pride or our Instagram, you can find more information. The name of the support group is Sage and Spoon. And I know you have a lot of, I, I guess I would call it webinars or just other resources there that yes, cost money, but if, if it is needed, like I saw the option where it's saying like, if you cannot afford this, this, this can come at a free, as a free resource. Is that, can you speak to more of that? Yeah. So especially right now, some of the, the online events that we're having, we either one have it sliding scale where people can pay from the recommended amount and people choose what they can do. Some of our other online events have been, have a uh, option for those with financial barriers, or we have um, um, what we call pay forward. So right now we're organizing, we're putting together a community talking circle for folks that have had to go back to toxic family during social distancing. And so for that, we have sliding scale, either $5 or 25, whatever the person can pay. And we also did a pay forward option for folks that might not necessarily be in those shoes, but want to uh, pay for others to join. So yeah, we try our best to make our work as accessible as possible. Hey listeners, Tina here to share with you some exciting news. If you have been enjoying this interview with Gloria Lucas, we wanted to encourage you to go and check out her website, Nalgona Positivity Pride, and her Etsy page, because we think it's amazing. We have decided to do a giveaway this week with the Nalgona Positivity Pride body poster. We are doing this giveaway on our social media pages. You can find us on Instagram at Mom Jeans the Podcast or join our Facebook group, Mom Jeans the Podcast, to find out details about the giveaway. But hurry, the giveaway launches the day the podcast episode drops and is only open for six days. Okay, back to the episode. The last thing I want to hit on is something that I loved so dearly and I actually learned about it from Aaron Flores and it's the body positivity poster that I literally have blasted up everywhere it's in my office in my home and like I wish I could I'm like sending it to people you know just I think it's absolutely fabulous and I I've experienced moments where people walk into my house or walk into my office and are like asking questions about it and that's my favorite part about it because it sparks up conversation and people wanting to get more education and build more awareness around it so can you explain the motivation or 
story, intention, whatever behind this poster? Yeah, so I created the poster a few years back. We also have it in Spanish, but my goal with this poster was so that it could be set and put up in, in different places that disrupts or prevents conversations that can be damaging for those struggling with eating disorders or those struggling with body image or folks that are in the gender spectrum, right? Or, 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 or whatnot. And, you know, one of the places that I recommend people to put it up at is in, um, break rooms <laughs> because that's where a lot of these conversations start about weight loss about dieting or putting one down right so and they do work right because all you have to do is just point at the poster and it kind of helps people reframe and realize like oh I didn't realize that these conversations are not the best to have they're not this is not the this shouldn't be information that or, or conversations that should be, be held so lightly because they're detrimental, especially if there's young ones around. Right? Because if there's the little ones that are around, then we normalize these behaviors. And then that leads to punishing themselves and believing that they have to then fit this mold of, of a person. And so um that was the goal behind this poster. And like I mentioned, I have it in Spanish and hopefully I'll be working on a fitting room one. Oh, yes. Is there, we want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about um, just resources that you would love people to follow or even just a message out there for those who are listening that are really relating to your story? Any words of encouragement that you would be willing to share? Yeah, that there's recovery and healing looks different for people. And so I encourage folks to figure out what that is, uh, that there is a lot of pain in this in this journey of of struggling with an eating disorder but there's a lot of good things as well because it helps you connect with other people it helps you be vulnerable and it gets an opportunity to look at the underlying issues of why this eating disorder exists so i would just tell folks that you can get to a better place you can grow from this and that do not isolate yourself do seek out community do talk about it even if it's uncomfortable and i would encourage people to look into eating disorder harm reduction which is a new topic that I'm, I'm covering and, and, and trying to gather more information and people can go to my website to learn more about that. But uh, again, recovery looks different for different people. And so just be kind and patient with oneself and you're not alone. There's a lot of people struggling behind closed doors. And so um, that, that, those would be my encouraging words. And where people can find me is on um, not any 
either Instagram is what I mainly use. Uh, my website at Nalgona Positivity Pride. Okay. What's your Instagram handle? It's Nalgona Positivity Pride. Okay. Awesome. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Gloria. I appreciate you taking the time with us and yeah, thank thanks you. for sharing. Yeah. Thank you to Gloria who has shared with us some valuable information and resources. Please make sure to check out her website for more information. Our takeaway question is a takeaway challenge. Check out Nalgona Positivity Pride's website and Etsy shop. And if you are able, support her advocacy work with a shout out or a purchase. We'll see you next time. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.